June 22, 2020. It's a lot from Pedro Show.
I know the grandmother one had hands. I know the grandmother one had hands. But they were always in bowls, folding, pinching, rolling the dough, making the bread. I know the grandmother one had hands. But they were always under water, sifting rice, bluing clothes, starching lives. I know the grandmother one had hands. But they were always in the earth, planting seeds, removing weeds, growing knives, burying sons. I know the grandmother one had hands, but they were always under the cloth, pushing it along, helping it birth into skirt, dress, curtains to lock out night. I know the grandmother one had hands, but they were always inside the hair, parting, plaiting, twisting it, into rainbows. I know the grandmother one had hands, but they were always inside pockets, holding the knots, counting the twisted veins, holding on to herself, lest her hands disappear into sky. I know the grandmother one had hands, but they were always inside the clouds, poking holes, for the rain to fall. Bye from Pete Rochelle. Happy Monday. Uh, still man alone. Brother Matt of Love Grotto. Pleasure Point, three miles south of here. So quick quarantino mode. But I'm not totally man alone because of those software engineers of Estonia with their Skype invention. I got Jackie Shelton Green with me. Welcome aboard, Jackie. Thank you so much, Mike. Yeah, and we start off the show with Off Minor, the fifth take. Uh, John Coltrane with Thelonious Monk. This was in between his two. Uh, he pulled two shifts of Miles Davis, and this is in between them. So uh, uh, and then I found something live from you, or, or, or you speaking at a meeting. Uh, uh-huh. I know the grandmother one had hands. Yes. Yeah, because they only gave me 10 pieces, and I had 11 slots. So I found something on YouTube.com. Okay, cool. Okay. Can you tell me, Jackie, uh, your earliest poet recollection? Well, that would have been uh, Georgia Johnson. Um, my 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 grandmother really uh, turned me on to poetry. My mother's two sisters were elementary school teachers, and one of their husbands was a principal. So books and poetry were always around our house, you know, I mean, just tons of, 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 of magnificent books. Um, Georgia Douglas Johnson um, was an amazing uh, poet for that time. And uh, George Moses Horton, who was here in North Carolina, was a poet that my grandmother knew. Uh, and his history was that he was a slave in another part of North Carolina who was purchased by people in Chatham County. That's how he arrived near us. And he hired himself out. He was allowed by his master to hire himself out to a printmaker. And then he would walk this long distance to UNC Chapel Hill, sit under the trees, and he would write poems, love poems, especially on Valentine's Day, 
for students to give to each other. So George Moses Horton uh, loomed large in my life. Uh, my grandmother was African Methodist Episcopal Church upbringing. And, you know, she'd go to these church conferences and his poems, she'd come back with, with books of his poems. So we have early editions of George Moses Horton. Um, but it was Georgia Douglas Johnson, uh, an African-American uh, playwright, of the Harlem Renaissance that my grandmother gave me my first uh, experience of experiencing her work. And of course, you know, the language was very lofty and very different than the vernacular that I write in. But those two are my earliest, earliest recollections of, of poets, you know, before I grew growing up in the 60s and 70s and being turned more on to the Harlem Renaissance poets and the poets of the 70s you know, who were writing about what I'm writing about now, social change and injustice. Now, uh, yeah, uh, so the first poetry was read, because I'm interested in this idea between uh, reading it and hearing it. So the first poems you experienced were from the book. It wasn't from somebody's uh, voice. Well, if you, okay, so let me answer this differently. The first two African-American poets, of course, I was exposed to many, many poets as a young child. But the first two African-American poets that I was exposed to were these two. But I heard poetry all the time. And my home, uh, especially at school, I went to segregated elementary schools. I mean, a, segre a segregated elementary school uh, where poetry, you know, was certainly uh, touted as being, you know, a grand art form. Um, and in church, as a child growing up in the church, poetry um, was reverent. It was sacred, as sacred as, as the holy book, any of the holy books. So, uh, and I hear poetry different because it's not always the text of a poem. I have, po I, I've learned to hear poetry and how neighbors greet each other. I've learned to hear poetry when women are talking about how to get a blue stain out of a white blouse. Or I've learned to hear poetry as a child growing up uh, with women exchanging recipes or men talking about the harvest, the crops they just planted or the crops that failed, that didn't come in. So poetry for me has always been this existential experience of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, smelling, poetry everywhere, and especially in the natural world. Can I ask you an opinion of this poetry definition? Poetry is everything that ain't prose. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've that heard sick? that. Is that silly? <laughs> I've heard that many times before. Okay. Uh, and I, I really accept prose poetry. Um, because I think in the telling, people find their own vehicles and, and forms for driving the truth onward or for telling their stories poetically. Um, so, you know, I'm not hung up in all of the labels and all of the arguments, you know, about the canon being the only authority on, you know, poetry. Yeah. If that were the case, voices like my voice would would never have risen to the top or even been amongst, you know, yeah, the poets. Yeah. Uh, 
someone said to me, I did a residency at a, at a university close by a few years ago, and uh, the person who was responsible for inviting me said to me one time, he said, well, you know, the only real poets are dead Irishmen. <laughs> and I said, wow, how about that? Yeah. How, you know? Wow. I feel sorry for you um, that you have not discovered the world of voices that exist beyond your narrow uh, academic version of poetry. Yes. Maybe it was like a management technique for his mind to keep things in some kind of order. Well, you know, they're going to always be gatekeepers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, know? you know, you got this poem here I want to play well from this new record, right? A litany, okay. a litany for the possessed. Let's listen, okay? Thank you. A litany for the possessed. Cultural whoremongers appear on MTV. Disguised dapper fresh as third day bleached linens from a sun not raised on cotton, indigo, or gold. Shaking, singing, ringing, baking, dipping, gliding, stomping, sliding, prancing, bebopping, dancing, praising, hip hopping, slipping, slurping, belching, fucking. Grave pirates sucking on the bones of spirit prophets. Malcolm, Ray, Miles, Martin, Charlie, Eldridge, Audrey, Denmark, Zajurner, Frederick, County, Nat, Langston, Zora, Louis, Richard, Nell, Mahalia, Billy, Bessie, Marcus, Gwendolyn, Kwame, Toussaint, Muhammad, Kente, tie-dyed, refried, batiked, bleached, mudcloth, dreaded, blonde, matted, twisted, reddened, curled, permed, blackened, greened, slinging swords of Quran, Bible, Torah, bringing lies, death, deceit, disgrace, Juneteenth blood bones sipping on holy water that runs backwards, cultural whoremongers holding hostage prayers, altars, crosses, Allahu Akbar, Ashe, Amen, Namaste, Shalom. Addicts with poems stuck between their teeth. Join the night, pray for a vampirical moon. Bootleg poems sold beside remixed Coltrane, rinsed out Aretha sonnets. Poets posing as undertakers, slip, nip, tuck, drain, splinter, irrigate, protract, stitch, catheterize, graft, skin to word, skin to history, skin to lies, skin to truth, skin to battlefields in Algiers, Iraq, Vietnam, Korea, Somalia, Johannesburg, Selma, Brooklyn, Compton, Queens, Atlanta, Richmond, Detroit, Afghanistan. Poets posing as seamstresses, so faces, so teeth, so wounds, so laughter, so tears, so regret, so joy, so uprising, so anthems, so constitutions, so treaties, so bombs, so graves, so babies. Brothers on the down low sniffing for game, while sisters play diva, bohemian princess, sable goddess, queen mother, high priestess of counterfeits on a corner. That becomes continent, Sahara, Amazon, Latin, Kurdish. The new immigrants learn to walk, talk, 
become invisible, eat fire, twist glass, flat joins round, night forgets that day is his true sister, rivers forget to open the skies, freedom is exposed, raw, naked, unadorned, unnamed, cultural whoremongers, cultural whoremongers dressed up dressed as words, up words metaphors, metaphors, preludes, preludes benedictions, benedictions, die alone, die alone under skies that rent, retrace, retrace a scorn, theft, murder, murder lynching, lynching of, a fallen of a fallen muse. May there be peace and love and perfection throughout all creation. O oh God, may there be peace and love and perfection throughout all creation. O oh God, may there be peace and love and perfection throughout all creation.
My life's a 
I squinted I could crush you with the blink of an eye All the sand
Just stay. Don't 
Messiahs trade seats in the masjid. They both ask me, what tree did I prefer to be strung from? I chose birch. Well, from Pedro Show, uh, Jackie, uh, uh, Shelton Green, uh, along with Charlotte Ammons, for, with a litany for the possession. Uh, Charlotte Ammons, can you tell us about her? Oh, Charlotte is an incredible... Uh, young songwriter. I know her as a poet. Um, her first book was published by, uh, we share a publisher, 
uh, who used to be Carolina Rent Press. They are now Blair Publishing, but uh, Charlotte was published by them many years ago. She has gone on to find her own way in the world with music and poetry. She's such a badass composer, arranger, songwriter. She's also now doing documentary filmmaking. Uh, but she's a young, talented woman who I've known for several years. And when I started working on this album, I knew I wanted uh, this poem to be included on this LP. But it's a poem that I never read publicly because I, I never felt like it was my voice. I've always heard a hip-hop sort of spoken word voice delivering this message. Um, and I thought, this is for Charlotte. So I, you know, we sent it to her, and she happily uh, dropped her own beats, and this is what she came, came up with for Litany for the Dispossessed. Um, so I'm just so thrilled and honored to collaborate with her. Yeah, it's great, great happening work. Uh, after that, we had Alice Coltrane doing The Sun, then Pat Ruth and Smear with Sahara Hotel, Maya mm -hmm. with Oh the Moon, Kay Salida Silently Ill. Uh, these four ladies from England, they gave me after a gig a CD, Secret Life. And then Andrea Pensado with Improvised Peace at the Savage Weekend 2019. And finally, now this is a word I learned from the last poets, Jen from Jackie Shelton Green. It's mm. kind of a bad guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe the word it, uh, genie comes from it or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, the gen. Yeah. Because uh, they had a record called uh, Garden of Earth Unearthly Delights, and the gen are kind of the bad guys. They, they make this robot that wants to kill God, and uh, it, it's an incredible piece. Like one side of the record is this big opera called Beyond Dirt. And it's very strange because it came out on Casablanca, which you think of Donna Summer and uh, Parliament Funkadelic. And, but the, here, and, and the, the drummer man was Bernard Purdy, incredible cat. So it's a, it's a trippy record. It's like a whole band, different than their other ones where they're just a little conga. Uh, but that, that, that was an uh, eye-opener for me when I first... It was in a, Mick Jagger was in this movie, and I heard Last Poet. It was called Performance, and I was a teenager. And, uh, whoa. So, uh, I don't know when you found out about Last Poets, but it was... Oh, I've known the Last Poets since the day they published. I have all of their LPs. That, uh, the, the, the one where I was standing on the street with the blue... Yeah. Yeah. And Dashiki's on, and yeah. Yeah, David Nelson, who's now David, yeah. uh, and I go way back on... For a long time, we were corresponding. I don't know if he's still in Israel, but, you know, he left America and he was living in Israel. Uh, but, oh, I cut my teeth as as a teenager on The Last Poets. The Big Apple, New York. Oh, yeah, right. that's on that album. Yeah, I, I, I played that album endlessly. And I must say that, you know, the voices of that period really validated me as a young African-American, rural, southern, uh, you know, black girl finding her way with poetry. 
and and really depending on poetry to save my life in, on so many levels. So I remember how excited I was to, you know, to hear this poetry that had been set to music and and the audacity, the boldness, <laughs> the fierce language. Uh, it just, you know, it fortified me, truly fortified me as a child of the 60s experiencing um, and living the civil rights movement. Can you remember the first poem you wrote? The first poem I wrote, I wrote in around about the fifth grade. And, um, yeah, (laughs) I I sure do. I also have a funny story. Um, I am, my brother and I are are two of, we're the youngest of five grandchildren of, of my maternal grandmother. Um, my cousins were all in college when I was, you know, growing up. So North Carolina Central University had then, and it still has the exact same uh, creative arts journal for poetry, photography, for art. And my cousin who was in college, I remember I was in the fifth grade, and I gave her poems and she submitted them and they never knew they were coming from a fifth grader. (laughs) Well, they published them. They published them. And I remember I was like over the freaking moon. And I look, you know, I recently went back and looked, I found one of those poems and I thought, what fifth grader has that kind of uh, perspective of uh, discernment that I could actually uh, write poetry that did not sound that sophomoric or childish. And um, yeah, my little head was just blown wide open, you know. But yeah, that's when I, that's the first poem I remember. Now, as a a smaller child, I actually thought I was writing poetry and writing books. And I would write little, I would, I don't know what I was writing. I'd write tons of things and fold them up into tiny strips of paper and fold them up very tiny and put them in, in jars, like the jars that my grandmother used and my mother used for preserves. And I would bury them in the yard. Uh, and I also would sit in church and write stories on the back of the fans, inside the hymnals, inside the, <laughs> the Bible, um, about people around me. Um, you know, I was a child, but... And I, and I have no idea, you know, I was too young to know what I was writing because I couldn't even write. But, you know, those big letters, you know, you know, ABC takes up a whole page. You're writing so big. <laughs> yeah. But to me, they were my stories. I was writing my stories to the extent that my grandmother was giving me small little notebooks in church for me to just sit and write. Um, but I was a nosy child. I was fascinated by what was going on around me, the expressions on people's faces, the emotionality of church, um, all of the pomp and circumstance and the rituals. Uh, And when I became a teenager, I truly was writing about what was happening around me. I would sneak my journals into church then. 
And I would write, you know, I would fill them up with stories about the people around me, about hatness, you know, black women in their hats and what they symbolized and uh, <laughs> what they meant to other black women. Um, you know, I got an image of like a reed and the wind blowing. And so that reed is kind of vibrating with the wind. Of course, the reed somehow has its own inner voice. But it seems maybe when you were younger, starting with these, the outside is kind of, or you're you're reflecting on this, like you're saying, why yeah. has these ladies got this hat on? And so when, yeah, what I'm trying to say is, when do you start to assert? You're, you know, you're not observing anymore, or, or maybe because I see a lot of observance. I feel it in your poems, even still. But then I do feel there's a Jackie Shelton Green. Well, I mean, I've always, um, and I see myself as as a seer, as one whose job is to witness, to bear witness, to be present, to see. And that witness is what informs my work. Uh, if you're asking me, when did I, I guess, intentionally, seriously decide that I was going to write? Um, yeah, that's what I mean. It was as a teenager. It okay. was It was growing up through the civil rights movement. It was uh, having an outlet to vent, to express all of my responses to the Black Power movement, desegregation. I was a part of a, a desegregation, you know, early desegregation in, in North Carolina schools, uh, dealing with my own racial family identity. Um, yeah, so that was pretty intentional starting in my early perhaps my early teenage years I was kicked out of public schools in North Carolina for uh, demonstrating after forced desegregation when black students were not fully engaged not fully welcomed into forced desegregation schools and I was kicked out I was one of several students who organized a walkout and I landed in a Quaker boarding school in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where I truly became vested in my writing, in creative arts, in dance, in movement, the power of movement coupled with poetics. I had amazing teachers, tutors, friends who are still friends, um, people who were involved in the creative making process, who influenced me, who strengthened me, who helped foster, you know, what I was writing, who kind of validated that I could write. So it happened years ago, so, many so years ago. You're saying this Quaker school was, you got uh, better reinforcement than back in North Carolina. Well, it was a, it was a place where I could be totally myself, yeah. where I could be ex expressive, where tolerance, you know, um, Tolerance was celebrated. Yeah. Uh, difference was celebrated. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were encouraged to to speak out against wrong. So, you know, I remember demonstrating against the Vietnamese War in Cambodia. You know, as a teenager, being tear gassed in in Malcolm X Park. You know, going to hear Bobby Seale speak. You know, as a junior in high school at Yale. <laughs> Uh, you know, meeting Cleve Sellers 
meeting. Oh, I'm shout. sorry, but that was. Meeting, you know, all of these great um, civil rights activists. Uh, you know, Soul City was beginning to be formed in North Carolina um, by, you know, Floyd McKissick Sr. and uh, Phil Venable, you know, who produced this album, you know, named his record company uh, Soul City Sounds to commemorate, you know, the origins of Soul City. So um, it's all come full circle. You know, this album brings me full circle with a place that I have left and come back to and left and come back to. And now I'm here living, staying, um, you know, making a life. Well, that's great. I want to get into that album. But we're at the end of the first hour, uh, June 22nd, 2020. Jason Pedro Show, special guest, Jackie Shelton Green. Hold tight for hour two. June 22nd, 2020. It's the second hour of the lot for Pedro Show. Letter from the Other Daughter of the Confederacy. Could I, would I, have been your black Confederate princess? Emblem of truly a new dirty self. A new rag for all the wiping, swiping of blood-dazzled sidewalks. Trees bent heavy. Heaving beneath black claws, tigers, and bears. Could I, would I, have been your black confederate concubine? Sacheting a room draped in rope, teeth, dried phalanges, pulsating throats, electric shocked eye sockets. Could I, would I, have been your black confederate Dominatrix, razor blades strapped beneath my armpits, whips growing like hair across your ribs, your mother's mother's mother raising out of a hell box to reclaim her name, the last of a savage cave tribe buried alive beneath a southern mansion crest, your father's father's father does not wince in his grave. He's known other black confederate dominatrix, claimed flagpoles to pleasure her demands, swallowed birth certificates, census reports, Bibles, to pleasure his own demands. Could I? Would I have been your black confederate trophy? Hidden inside mahogany-carved beds. Hidden inside crystal flutes. Hidden inside a meadow of thistle. Hidden inside the elbow of an oak that knows everything, everyone. Or inside an owl's nest. Just a throw from the slave auctioneer's voice. Could I, would I, have been a black confederate lover? Bite me, bite me, bite me. While an entire continent roars 
back upon your back. Our daughters are not your daughters. Our daughters are not your daughters. Our daughters are not your daughters. Let them be. Could I? Would I have been your black confederate secret? I am the names of smothered babies in the hands of mammies so black they startled the night they steal from. I am the names of all the daughters grinding and sifting grigri into your soup. I am the name of every womb you poisoned. I am the name of all your weariness, all your fear, all your disease, all the death I hold back from you. I am the life of the hundred thousand nightmares that hold you hostage to sunlight. Could I, would I, have been your black confederate truth? Once upon a black confederate lynching book, I am all the names of all the names of black skin becoming stardust. Floating black snow, falling all over the porcelain nakedness of your white confederate mistress. Confederate black snow, falling on the tongues of your white confederate children. Black confederate skin tucked inside their pockets for good luck. I am the name of the belt you tighten around your white confederate waist. Woven from my black confederate skin. Could I, would I, have been your black confederate anthem, a princess without a country, the other daughter of the confederacy, sewing bullets inside Bible pages, wrapping swords of crushed red velvet, dancing knives beneath war skirts. I am this other daughter of your confederacy, standing bone to bone to bone to bone to all the other confederate daughters, eating the stars falling from your eyes that could not bear witness to your other daughter of your confederacy. I am that daughter, bleached bones, rotating eye sockets, searching upside down for stolen birthrights shackled starlight and the indescribable taste for freedom.
I wanted to ask the trees, do you remember? Were you there? Did you shudder? Did your skin cry out against the skin of my great uncle's skin? Was the smell of bark a different smell from the smell of meat flesh? Human meat flesh. Beloved father, husband, lover, friend, man flesh. Could the air discern burning tongue from burning arm? Does the neck bone stay intact or grizzle like the shaft of toes, fingers? Ears. I wanted to ask the trees, were you there? Did you shudder? Are you an elder that wailed out loud when they strung him up on your youngest branch? No mercy even for the lynching of new sprawling birch limbs just learning themselves how to crawl towards an un- 
emancipated sky. Are you a grandchild or great-grandchild of the tree that drank his blood? The tree that cried tears into the rope around his neck, his arms, his legs. I wanted to ask the trees, but the ground spoke first. Annoying, perfectly manicured azaleas. Annoying, perfect graves of perfect skeletons whose blood-stained hands are forever etched on the hearts of my ancestors who cry out to me. Plantation ground scratches the soles of my feet. Ancestors beg me to lie down, be still. They waited so long for this day when someone would come and dance with their spirits. They are everywhere, whispering, holding up this house that dares to ignore them, holding up a sanitized history and herstory, one for the trees, one for us. I wanted to ask the trees, do you remember? Did you refuse to hold his weight? Did your branches crackle? Did you refuse to hold him? Did you feed his blood to your roots? Who are these new trees? Look how they glisten against an unshackled firmament. Did you tell them that his blood was the only nourishment you could provide that entire season? Did you tell them it was a winter of blood? No rain, no snow, bloodstorms, lightning and thunder lifting other names onto the wind's tongue. So many names for the wind to carry. So much hair, teeth, bones for the ground to gather. I wanted to ask the trees, who will carry your stories? Who are your historians? Who will measure the rings of ropes that wrapped around your waist, your shoulders, under your arms, beneath your head? I wanted to ask the trees, did you forget to breathe when the red thunder inside you painted everything the color of love? I want to ask the trees, do you remember? Do your branches still crackle with his weight? Do you shudder? Do you know mercy? Watch for Pedro's show. Start off the second hour with letter from the other daughter of the Confederacy. It's you know sometimes like people use the word luck, 
and they, mm-hmm. they, they forget that luck, there's not always good luck, there's bad luck. Right. <laughs> so they say lucky, so be careful for what you wish for. This is true. This is true. Yeah, and uh, just the juxtaposition of that and, and people being born. And, but, man, when you stand up, like so far you've been telling me about and seeing what you see and want to make a difference, instead of like, whoa, you know, this is my role and i got to play it out. Uh, some people, I wonder. But, you know, I think I've met people way in there till their life, and they still make changes that are for the good. And maybe it takes a whole lifetime for them to do it. Other people go the other way. but <laughs> Right. Well, you know, I think we talked again about poets being truth tellers. That's, yeah. that's what I want my legacy to be, that I just was around, you know, I was a truth teller. And I've always considered myself the other daughter of this confederacy. That, that flag belongs to many people. That flag has become the whore. She, uh, you know, she's become the whore to people who are using her as a weapon, her using her in ways that she was never intended to be used for. I don't praise her. I have no love for that flag. But um, it's amazing how history can be distorted, rewritten, uh, resituated you know, sure. the wants and needs of, of people. Uh, so, it's, so, you know, it's just interesting to watch that flag. You know, my biggest fantasy is to scribe a poem that I would have some incredible needlepoint worker, like, emblazon across the Confederate flag and thread. Um yeah, but this was this is my flag. Letter from the other daughter of the Confederacy. This is my flag. This is my Confederate flag that I'm that I'm flying against that flag. Um, and I wrote this poem the night that Silent Sam, um, the monument that stood at the University of North Carolina for many many years, uh, the night that it was toppled. I was watching it come down on the 11 o'clock evening news and the poem just, you know, the, the ancestors, the spirits, they just came and they wrote the poem. And this is a letter from the other daughter of the Confederacy. But this was my response. Yeah. Now, you, you, you were presented with a opportunity to do this record of course you got a big collection of poems but you wanted this one to be on that record on this record oh yeah it it was time it was time um you know i mean when i say it was time that um again it's my truth it's my truth and it may not be anybody else's truth but it's my truth and um i have to be I have to be true to myself. I have to first honor my own truths, hold them up, validate them. Um, But this is also me standing up to those who are waving the Confederate flag in my face (laughs) as a gun. And and, and I know that guns are real. And many, 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 many of the people in my neighborhood, in my county, when I go to the grocery store, these men are packing weapons. I just read last week someone screenshotted where 
a very racist person had written that there will be consequences for taking down the latest monuments that were taken down in Raleigh this past weekend. And what was very powerful, the language was, we're just waiting for President Trump to give us permission to go ahead to start shooting. <laughs> so if people do not understand that there is a war yeah. on black people, yeah. that there is a war on anything, because to me it's a, it's a good, it's a war between good and evil. There is a bitterness, there is a nastiness that tastes so good to some people that it is the only orgasm they intend to have. Yeah, I, I totally um, relate to that. I, it's yeah. weird. It's like they got a Jones. Uh, yeah. We played Barry Bur Burko band out of uh, Tel Aviv with Golden Girl and then Level a Square, Dan Kukas, Jeb Bishop, Bishop, David Smith, Matt Crane. And then a poem by you on the record, I Wanted to Ask the Trees. Yes. Which is, they're all related. They're all connected. It's, it's a lot I of wanted depth. to, yeah, I, I wanted to ask the trees. Yeah. Is about the lynching of my great uncle um, that I did research on. Uh, I've been back to this historical, it's now a historical public, well, historical space for people to go visit this this old slate, this old house, this family that owns, what's, it's a remnant of, of a plantation. And um, every time I've been in this locale, in this geography, it is the natural world that speaks to me. I've been, I've been very, very interested in writing about what happens to the ecosystem that witnesses a lynching. Yeah. What happens to the butterflies? What happens to the ground that receives the blood, the ashes? What happens, what are the trees thinking when they are forced to hold the weight? What's held in the tree's DNA, the DNA of the, the tree? And who is the, the historian for the DNA to tell the story? of what it has been forced to hold. So that poem speaks to uh, my wanting to ask the trees, were you there? Yeah. Do you remember? And, and this poem you wrote too has got a nature connect. The river speaks of thirst. Yes. Okay, let's listen. The river speaks of thirst. Oh, how I want to sit here and sing into your night. Oh, how I want to sit here and sing into your night. Lean deep inside the elbows of this river where the sky bends into sleep. Lean deep inside the elbows of this river, this river where blood is born. Sing a litany into this open book. 
of your story, my story. Sing a litany into this open book of your story. This river shrugs its belly, births kindness for all things yet to be born. This river shrugs its belly, births kindness for all things yet to be born. Oh, how I want to sit here and feast from your wet palms. Oh, 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 how I want to sit here and feast from your wet palms. This river, wounded heart, holding the locked secrets of ancestral crones, kneeling, feeding the doorways of all your and my drowned seasons. This river, the this river as a lone wild burst of yellow becoming more and more an eclipse of wind becoming more and more an eclipse of freedom becoming more and more an eclipse of wind becoming more and more an eclipse of freedom we are all this flow we are all this flow we are all this river we are all this river where red clay becomes breathing face where red clay becomes breathing face oh how I yearn to empty the veins of my life story into this nameless, pregnant river. Like you, like me. It also struggles to remember its own birthing, its own flow. 
Wide, deep story that swallows forest, that births newness inside the whisper of this story, this hungry thunder. Oh, how I yearn to bear such freedom. Hold the stones to bones, the skeletons of moon, sun, dust, Inside mouth, womb, spirit, tomb. Inside the mouth, inside the womb, inside the spirit, inside the tomb, inside the mouth, inside the womb, inside the spirit, inside the tomb. Conjure a dervish of primal, ancient becoming. We swallow more and more of this holy river. Holy, 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 holy river. We shapeshift into the sweet shadows of this river's dance, this river's prayer. We shape, shift. Into the sweet, sweet shadows of this river's dance, of this river's prayer. Howling when it runs backwards. Howling when it runs backwards. Remembering other names, other skies, other songs. It's birthed. And sung. Remembering other names, other skies, other songs. It's birthed, it's birthed, and so.
This I know for sure. We are the breath, the skin, the muscles, the heart, the hands, the unmeasurable bones whispering across the Atlantic Ocean. We are the bellies of Middle Passage ships. We are blue door of no return on Gory Island. We are the mornings that broke with our living and our dead, fastened together. We are the eyes bearing witness to sharks, following our human cargo, waiting for the feast of dead or sick bodies tossed overboard. We are the shadows in the back of the eyes of daughters stirring themselves and their babies overboard. Our blood is the red that stole the blue of the ocean. We are scattered bones rising up from the bottom of the Atlantic, revealing a pathway marking the route. We are the fruit of those bone trees planted deep in the fertile Atlantic. We carry a DNA of survival, strength, extraordinary will. From forced migration to slave market, we are all the links of all the chains of the past and future, binding spiritual links from the bones in the Atlantic to the bones of slaves in a place like Galveston, Texas, where ancestral whispers became the wind, caressing tired bones with a timeless spirit of rebirth and love. The wind heard first, whispering from the trees, from the ground beneath their feet, whispering, freedom, freedom, freedom. The wind knew and rattled tiny bones beneath the feathers of birds. The wind knew, giving voice to the rain falling, creating fertile freedom ground. The wind whispered to every butterfly, every insect pollinating from flower to flower. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Eagles stopped in midair to listen to the wind's song. Freedom came today. Freedom came today. And because our people are a chosen people, we could understand the dance of the trees, the tremble of the water. Hose stopped striking. Hands stopped picking. Feet stood still. A mighty storm named Freedom rained over them, soaked them clean. Mothers kissed hope into the air above babies' heads. Grandmothers and grandfathers 
stretched prayers into a sky that would not bend. Men ask, where will this freedom live? Children ask, what does this freedom taste like? What does this freedom smell like? What does this freedom sound like? What does this freedom look like? Mama, tell me, what does freedom gonna feel like? We screamed a jubilee into the clouds. We shed the skin of a slave. We shed the rags of a slave into the river. Our freedom skin was a shining brand new nakedness that outshined the sun. We be clothed in freedom's gold. On Juneteenth, dead bones came alive and flew on the wings of Sankofa birds all the way back to the river where blood is born. All the way back to the river where blood is born. We are the Juneteenth Resurrection. We are the ancient prayers answered. We are the cup overflowing, inviting generations to this feast of freedom. Waffle Pedro Show, yeah, the river speaks of thirst. Jackie Shelton Green featuring Nina Freeland. Uh, it started all over again, Midnight Mines, Ben Lee and Silver Silverman, way back in love, Lydia Cavina. She's one of the uh, virtuosos of the theremin, back when it was invented by that guy named Theremin. Uh, improvisation. And then finally, this I know for sure, Jackie Shelton Green featuring Jennifer Evans. So, th- again, this is two more collaborations you did for the record. Yeah, when, when I was um, in the studio, I always knew that I did not want an album that just featured my voice, just reading my poems. Um, the poem No Poetry that features the Chapel Hill, North Carolina poet laureate C.J. Suet. I always knew I wanted a male voice for that poem. Uh, Jennifer Evans gives us gospel riffs on This I Know For Sure, which is a Juneteenth poem that's about the celebration of Juneteenth, the survival of of an enslaved people. Uh, I always knew it was more that this was more than me. I wanted other voices to carry the words. I wanted other voices to hold the poems. And to be honest, I, I wanted the magic that happens when you invite a musician, you know, to um, to give you to give back your words differently. So it all worked. You know, I'm very pleased and I'm very humbled and honored with uh, Nina Freelon is an incredible uh, five or six time nominated Grammy Award uh, uh, singer. Uh, she's an, an, a, just an incredible jazz musician who has 
toured all over the world as well as Charlotte has toured all over the world with her band. So I'm, and Jennifer has her own gospel CDs. So I'm just honored to, to have the voices of people who I honor. I honor their artistry. I am deeply humbled by the love that they have for me and the fact that they are compassionate listeners not just active listeners, but compassionate listeners who could hear my words and hear, you know, here to bring them, how, hear how to bring them out into the world, you know, uh, expanding on my voice. You know what I'm saying? Not competing with my voice, yeah, but expanding yeah. and enlarging the poem. Uh, tr a true collaboration. Yes. Yeah, which means uh, dialogue. Uh, uh, yeah. A building something beautiful. And we're at the second hour, Jackie, uh, June 22nd, 2020, edition of Watt Peter Show, special guest, Jackie Shell Green. Hold tight for hour three. June 22nd, 2020, is the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. The Communion of White Dresses. In my dreams, I am all the women in generations of white dresses. White Sundays that cover altars and all the hushed seams of white linen. White gloves lift, pour, sift whispered prayers across crystal cups. Blood becomes bread. I learn to lift white dresses over my head, careful, not to disturb the pleats that will soon be crushed by hungry hands. What is the difference between standing, pouring blood down the throats of phantom believers, and kneeling before the parched lips of a nameless lover? White dresses bear secrets in the neckline, along him stitches. White dresses remember the language of hands lifting stretching, folding them into the froth of a cloud forest. I am the shadow of all the white dresses hidden. I am the ghost of all the white dresses, remembering the stretch of a daughter's shroud, the dance of another daughter's wedding veil. I am the tears that hold the needle steady, while grandmothers stitch a Rapunzel of sky. I am breath that is caught in the fragrance of a mother's hair. White communion dresses weighed in the holiness of a forced faith that does not rhyme with my name. I become red, fierce, bloody ocean, swallowing a procession of white dresses at dawn. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. Come dance in the cloud forest. Come dress the nymphs in your long silky strands. Come lift the skirts of thirsty virgins. Stand beneath the altar to catch all the white dresses that they are casting into the wind. 
my shoulders sigh under the reluctance of stiff, coarse, white dresses woven with shards of prisms so tight the waist becomes prison. I want to undress my Sunday body for slow, patient redressing of Saturday night black lace, black sweat, a black promise to erase this white stain. White dresses become harsh smears, confessional cages. White dresses on my skin remind me of the unraveling of crows hiding in the elderberry tree, hiding all things shiny, all things unborn to a womb of ink. This is the tightness inside the throat of a white dress that pulls stitches tighter, that threaten mutiny. I am the night walker in white. I am the song of the legend of the woman in the white cloud forest who is known to eat the lace from her sleeves, her collars, her buttons. White dresses become succor for a timeless famine. White dresses, white doves, white stones, white crosses, white veils. I am the one chosen to commit, conceal, execute, reveal, undress the sorcery, betrayal, acquisition, acquittal. The dowry of white dresses, the violence of white dresses, cover me tenderly.
my brother. For Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, nameless brothers, all of my brothers who have been silenced. Oh, my brother, my brother, I will weep for you whenever the sun rises or falls. Your shadow has been betrayed. The red of the bullet bleeds and covers every breath of all the life you've lived. Oh, my brother, my brother, I will stand here and wail your name. Hold the bullet inside my mouth that cannot stop convulsing with pain. I will learn to swallow the spasms in your screams. I am calling my brothers and my sisters to the ground beside this river where your blood is born, where your blood runs, until it is clear, until its red is spent, and it stands up like the wind and speaks into a light we cannot name. Oh, my brother, my brother, I beat my chest, pierce my hands, run back and forth naked in rain, trying to swallow this red of a bullet that knew your name, cracked open your smile, stole your hair. Oh, my brother, I weep for all I do not know about you. I weep with the bullet that is lodged in my throat, whispering its own requiem. The red of the bullet cries out your name. The bullet whispers to me about the flowers that heard the sound. The bullet whispers to me about the sorcery of forgiveness. The bullet whispers to me about black flies staring the ground beneath your feet. Oh, my brother, my brother, who will wash your feet? Save the sand inside your shoes. Oh, my brother, where is your mother, your father? Who will help me scrape the dried blood that blocks the doorway of your heart? I want to be the water, the sweet oils that rub into the skin of you. I want to hold your bones steady so your mother can identify your face. Rub the soft earlobes she's kissed a thousand times. Oh, my brother, how must we hold your lover who wants a redemption for your skin who searches for your lips in the dark oh my brother there is so much blood falling from the sky today suffocating the light suffocating the babies I will guard your road kill blood if necessary I will chew the bullet and digest metallic contradiction. I will be the shovel and the crib. I will sing your name into the wind 
I will sing your name until the wind lifts it from my tongue and sings your legacy into the tenth degree of sound. I will wail the presence of your history through this throat that is out of rhythm. We be poets, the daughters of your winters and sons of your summers. We be ancient scribes, the architects of your sweat and your tears. My poems will be forever screaming the life of you. I dare the red of the bullet to forget. I dare the killer of you to remember. My words are the acid erasing the crime scene. My words are the softness of all the evidence of ghosts hidden beneath your shirt, inside your underwear. Hungry ghost casting your name into rivers. Oh, my brother. Oh, my brother. Oh, my brother. What are the ancestors singing? Oh, my brother, you don't have to behave in your grave. Oh, my brother, call me, and these lyrics will gather arms, stage your rebellion. The red of the bullet has the poetry of your spirit embedded with indelible ink. Oh, my brother, my brother, hear the wail of the red of the bullet. Hear the space between your ribs crumble. Hear the sounds in your chest become a roaring ocean. Hear the butterflies cease flying. Hear this silence that will not be quiet. Why for Peter Show, we started the third hour off with the communion of white dresses, Jack Shelton Green. Then we had no time for Zola Jesus. And finally, oh, my brother, Jackie Shelton Green. And, uh, well, they're all very relevant. I mean, it's trippy. But are you surprised sometimes how some things you might have wrote start to resonate with a drama that's unfolding right in the, at the moment? Well, of course. You know, the thing for me is that what's unfolding right now is not, it's not, you know, it's like watching old reruns of Bonanza and then you realize, oh shit, Bonanza's never stopped not running. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the same reel. It is the same reel. We're just stepping on it at a different juncture of it. Um, the poems on this album were written, uh, some of them years ago. Yeah. They've not been published yet. But they certainly weren't written as a response to what's happening right now. Yeah. But I think because it is a continuum, as history is, The you know what I mean? The poems are very appropriate for right now, but they were appropriate when they were written. Yeah. They would be appropriate 10 years from now. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So that's that's the power of, of witness, you know, um, is trying to just make the, make, you know, like it's, it's zooming in and giving attention and being attentive um, and being here now. So the here and now for all oh, my brother, I wrote that poem, you know, way back when 
we saw this onslaught of of murder, right. of police brutality. Right. But I could have written it the day that George Floyd was murdered as well. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there are people who thought that it was for George Floyd. I'm like, no, you know, there's a list before him. He just got in line with all the others. Right, the Bonanza rerun. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Terrible. Right, right. Um, and that's that's what I like about poetry is that it does not have a time stamp. There is no expiration date. Yeah. You know, it's timeless. I read classics now that we all do, and we find ourselves right inside of something yeah, exactly. that was in the 17th century. And, and I'm sure well, I've, I, it happened to me when I read that big poem, you know, the Comedia um, Dante, right. right. It was like, this guy wrote this for me, but it was 700 years ago. Right. There you go. You know, I'm, I'm curious. You know, in music, in the studio, we got to sometimes do more than one take. Did you do that with this? So, interesting. The making of this album was so sweet. It was funny. Uh, we were not in a big studio. Uh, Alex... Uh, Farrell, yeah. who is our amazing, amazing engineer, invited us into his home. We made it in his living room. Uh, sounds it was great, sweet. though. It sounds great. That's, right, because you know, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, it was sweet. Yeah. It was low-key. You know, we were working with professional people who – so um, there were like maybe – two or three takes for just, there are a couple of poems that it was more me, you know, like Alec would say, oh, that was great. I was like, nah, I want to do it again. Uh, but no, it, it wasn't a lot of uh, re-taping. The piece with Nina Freelon, Nina was going on tour. So she said to us, I can give you one hour on Sunday. And that's it. And she came in, she had listened to the poem. I'd sent her, you know, text of the poem. She came in. It was clear that she had really leaned into the words, and she just blew it out of the water. One take. Wow. So that's the way it was flowing. You know, it was just, there was just this organic goodness in the room with Mr. Clovis, Alex Cat. you know, you know, parading through regally every few minutes. And <laughs> let's hear another one, okay? Yeah. Mad woman. She was forever channeling her mad woman in the attic alter ego. These days, new southern damsels secretly wish they could still be the reason of my distress, as their mother's mothers worried the water of other mothers' mothers who stand vigil at crossroads, thresholds, borders, like a lost cavalry without a country. I be a black princess, the one that drags you through the sleep that you think to be that fourth martini you needed before you could glide out of your seat and smile the American smile. Yeah, that smile. The one daddy with the pedigreed stable paid for. The one smile, another mother's mother, stitched across her dead daughter's forehead. The smile that snatches the hands of any other white hand 
when I lean too close. The smile that erases my smile and swallows a whole room of dead patrimony. It is all you can do. Smile. Because your antique swords no longer cut. Your puke-stained flag is shredding all over your sun-bleached constitution. Smile. Gin and tonic and pretty little cups is still gin and tonic, carrying you up and down the haunted stairwells while rage persists inside your breast. Black hands in your dreams bring your mail, freshen your coffee, cut your grass, start your gowns, love your children, carry your drunk skeleton ass from bed to bed. Your antiquated flag is the only skirt that still fits you, so you zip it over the festering skin that carries a fever, that boils the skin of birds who fly too close to your steaming, wretched hair. The madwoman in the attic is truly mad at you now. No more secrets for you. No more Venetian lace. No more pot de soie slippers. No more Limoges. No more buttery croissants with lemon curd. It's all going downhill from here. A museum of interchangeable smiles. Mask. Spanish braided leather straps that force please you. But you forget the password that unlocks your thighs. Midnight passenger on a bombed out tanker ship headed out to find daddy's ocean liner. You bomb murder eat your own. But always smiling. Always smiling. Always smiling. Step away from the door. Step away from the door. This is not a dream. You are not your mother's mother. You do not choose the dreams I stroll into. Kneel, fetch, roll over. Good girl. Now smile for daddy. Smile for daddy. Daddy's going to make it all right. Again, in your dreams. Oh, Father, rape me on the altar and make me confess afterwards. All the testaments Inside, between my legs, are hallowed. Be my name. Be your name.
No poetry. No poetry for these hands. No poetry for these trees. No poetry for these men. No poetry for the time you chase. No poetry for the dreams that hold you hostage. No poetry for the truth brewing inside crooked hallways, crooked courtrooms, crooked jailhouses. No poetry for the fog covering the blood. No poetry for the noose flapping against the wind's tongue. No poetry for the words that make it happen. No poetry for the accused. No poetry for the accuser. No poetry for Confederate matchsticks. No poetry. For your wild horses storming foreign shores, no poetry. For your God who is always late to every funeral of every black child, no poetry for the war guns. No poetry for the hidden ones. No poetry for the nameless corners that claim us over and over again. No poetry for the songs that break apart. No poetry for old stories crawling under locked doors, no poetry. For your collection of tongues and burned out moons, no poetry. For the make-believe stars in your crown, no poetry. No poetry, no poetry. For the days in between all the years you remembered, no poetry. For the days in between all the years you forgot to loosen the noose, no poetry. For Juneteenth midnights when you refused to kiss the neck of newborn freedom, no poetry. Jipping from beneath your slashed armpits, no poetry. To erase from the smoke of an M16, no poetry. To sew inside my son's pockets, no poetry. To bury in between my son's ribs, no poetry. To bury inside my son's mouth, no poetry. To bury inside my son's ears, no poetry. To bury beneath my son's feet, no poetry. No poetry, no poetry. To bury inside my son's heart, no poetry. No poetry, no poetry. To feed the crows feasting upon his limbs, no poetry for the last breath that cracks into a thousand moments inside a mother's tear no poetry for the light inside our children's eyes trying to find their way home we are all the poems kissed by the beloved we are all the poems daring to grow inside empty bowls we are all the poems lurking in the shadows. We are all the poems that cannot be forced into cages. We are all the poems holding up the sky. We are all the poems that will no longer sacrifice our seeds to a toxic wind. We are all the poems rattling the ghost bones of the middle passage. We are all the poems pissing on blood-stained flags. We are all the poems peeping in windows. We are all the poems dressed to kill. We are all the poems that will not be quiet. We are all the poems waiting to sharpen our oyster knives. We are all the poems wrapped up in dangerous hair waiting to strangle history. We are all the poems that dance and sing us beyond the currency of our skin. We are all the poems becoming forbidden medicine. We are all the poems our ancestors carried from sea to shining sea. We are all the poems unwritten, uncensored, unworthy of your memorials, constitution, air, water, land. We are all the poems we need to start a revolution. A revolution. A revolution. Well, for Pedro show, yeah. Uh, well, no poetry, uh, like you were talking about the poet as... Or real, what, what would you call it? What about rap? 
to me, that's poetry. Like we were talking last poets. So C.J. Suet. Right. Well, you know, poetry, rap is poetry. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. It's just that I have not, I'm 67 years old. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's an art form that, you know, it comes after me and I, I feel kind of stupid trying to, I really feel like I'm appropriating something that's not age appropriate. I love rap. I love good rap. I love good spoken word, but I feel like I look and sound ridiculous trying to do it. So why not bring in the experts? And I'm not saying that that's, you know, I don't, I'm not labeling CJ or Charlotte as rap or spoken word artists because I think their genre extends very wide as mine does. But I heard their voices inside of the breaths of these words, if that makes sense. No, Um, it makes total sense. And, you know, I'm 62, so I'm a little younger than you. But I remember when the word rap was very serious. I mean, hey, let's let's deal. Exactly. And it was to me, it still is a heavy word. I never have used it as like some just like small talk rap meant like, let's really get well, to it. It was serious. I remember, you know, my, that was, you know, that was my children's language. You know, I, I have three, three children. My oldest daughter who would be 50 this year died um, 11 years ago. But, you know, I grew up learning rap through them. My youngest daughter just turned 40. I grew up learning rap through them. So, um, you know, I was kind of jealous that that wasn't, you know, that that wasn't my generation because I, I would listen to the seriousness of Tupac and all of these young people and like, just like be, wow, wish I, wish I had written that, wish my brain thought like that. Um, yeah, but Jack, I'm telling you, there was a, a TV show. This is like early 70s in uh, SoCal here. And it was like a current event show, and it was called Let's Rap. This is before, I mean, there was already Last Poets. They had already, if you ask me, kind of you know, opened up the door. But then this, just this right. idea of the rap, the talking, uh-huh. uh, discussion, uh, de- discourse, uh, debate. Exactly, because during the 70s, we would say, I'm going to a rap session. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. But yeah. but also, it's kind of blurry with the music form, too. Right, right. Oh, I have deep respect for for the genre of, of rap and spoken word. Deep respect. And um, I'm just so happy that it's here. I'm so happy that... You know, that it's an amazing international art form that's celebrated. Yeah, me too. Where, where, where can people find you on the uh, internet, Jackie? So, JackieSheltonGreen.com, J-A-K-I-S-H-E-L-T-O-N-G-R-E-E-N.com. Oh, man, it's been such an honor to have you on the show. Uh, could you give a, advice to a young poet? I certainly can. Uh, Write what you know and step outside of your comfort zone to research, document, and archive all the things you want to know. But start with yourself first. Dig through family photos, you know. Dig through family letters. Ask questions of all the elders who are still breathing because you need to know who you are. We all need to know from whence we enter. If we don't know where we're coming from, we certainly cannot breathe 
our existence into the world. We have to know our origins. So we all have powerful stories that the world needs to hear. And I'm just foolish enough to believe that the more we tell our stories to each other and all of our otherness and differences, that's why that's where we find ourselves over and over again inside of each other's stories. And we connect around our humanity and not the things that disconnect us. So my advice to young writers is just write. Write every day. Write. Don't be afraid to write, but be afraid to write because that's what should fuel you. That's great. That's great. Thank you so much for being on my show. Truly. Thank you for having me. It was an honor, an honor, Mike. And you're always welcome back to North Carolina. Thank you. Thank you. People- By the way, I listen to your music. I love you. I love your music. <laughs> Oh, you must go. People, it's been June 22nd, 2020 edition. Wild Peter Show. Keep your power dry.